This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity Mates, episode 27. As always, this is a podcast about breaking down the world of investing to make it easier for you guys. Here with my equity buddy, Ren. How are you, Ren? I'm very good, Bryce. I am looking forward to this episode. We've got a bit of year in review episode for everyone because we're going on a Christmas break. Absolutely. It's been a great year for us. Uh, So we thought we'd recap the year, do a bit of a year in review and go through a few things that we've learned and discovered along the way. It deserves a beer. I'm here with a Cooper's Sparkling. What have you got, Ren? I've got a Mountain Goat Pale Ale. Delicious. Um, Yeah, we were were discussing before the episode how important best before dates on beers are. Why? You you, you think you're a bit out of... I am out of date. 20th of the 10th, 2017. So, what, two months out of date? But, you know, I'm a a buy and hold kind of man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nice. All right, well, let's start off with what we've learnt this week, Ren. Do you want to kick this one off? Yeah, definitely. This week, we saw Frank Lowy sell his shopping centre empire to a French company for $32 billion. And I reckon that's something that we just need to reflect on for a moment. The the story of Frank Lowy, immigrant to Australia, started his first supermarket, grew it into the giant that is Westfield, and has now sold it to uh, another company for $32 billion, all in one generation. That's a pretty rare story anywhere in the world, but that's a really rare story in Australia. So Um, do you know how much Frank uh, is going to walk away with out of that $32 billion? uh, No, I don't know. I I imagine I they're still the con- his family still has the controlling interest in Westfield, so it will be the majority. But look, either way, it's it's it is it is like really a, a great Australian success story. But yes. it got me thinking about mergers and acquisitions more broadly because it's a trend that people probably don't think enough about because you know we're very much caught up in the moment about um, what's happening this year, but. What we've seen in the last few years in Australia, but across the world, is just an explosion in mergers and acquisitions. 2015 was an unbelievably big year. So mergers and acquisitions are where two companies either come together to form one company, or um, that's a merger, and then an acquisition is where a company buys another company. So this Westfield deal is an acquisition. The French company is buying Westfield. Another big one that involves an Australian well, former Australian Rupert Murdoch is selling, we're looking at selling 20th Century Fox to Disney. And I mean, look, it's, it's something that investors should pay attention to because one way to make a lot of money on a stock is for the company that you own to be acquired by another company. Yeah. Um, so as an investor, you're always looking out for targets of acquisitions. Yeah. 
I was going to say one of the major reasons that there's been an explosion of mergers and acquisitions is because at the moment the environment is incredibly hard to find uh, significant growth yeah. off the back of your own business. So one way that businesses look to get growth is just by acquiring or merging with other companies and then you obviously get to put the revenue of that company on your books and so in that that way it keeps the shareholders happy so frank lowry now selling his company for 32 billion can't complain with that yeah. at all all right well this week i uh, came across an article in the afr so obviously there's been a lot of chat about bitcoin lately and the big increases in value capital that it's giving people but this article came out to say that they did a screening of um, global equities to find any companies that had given similar percentage returns to that of Bitcoin this year. And there were four stocks that came up, um, excluding Venezuela, because apparently the stocks there are just going nuts for no reason. Really? Apparently. Even though Venezuela's economy is just a shambles at the moment. Well, apparently they said they excluded troubled Venezuela. So I'm, I'm assuming that they excluded... If you're excluding something from the screening of the highest performing stocks, yeah, yeah, I would assume that it was because they've just shown ridiculous returns. But anyway, right. so I'm going to go through the very briefly the four stocks that have shown massive returns. So the first is one called Pepper Food Service, which is a restaurant chain in Japan known, known for its steaks and pork cutlets. And it's, right. seen, and it's seen a market swell from, well, up to $1.32 billion from less than $100 million nine months ago. Okay. Uh, so it started at $6.98 Australian. And so I looked, looked all this up. So $6.98 on this day 12 months ago, and it's now $70. So that's a 1,000% increase. And the next, another is India's HEG. Uh, which has ridden the boom in graphite electrodes, an essential component of electrical furnaces um, that turns scrap into steel, essentially. This time last year, they were $152.90, or sorry, $152.90 rupiah, which is $3 Australian, and now they are... 41, so over a thousand percent return. Then we've got in India again, so there's some trends occurring here in India, emerging markets. There's one called India Bulls Ventures, which is a pioneer in online securities trading um, that's building out its consumer lending business. So there's a lot of technological change in the investing space happening in India at the moment. It's up 1,162% 12 months ago. It's gone from 21 rupee to 247 rupee. And last but not least is from China. Um, it's China Investment Fund, which trades in Hong Kong. It's had a turnaround story of an investment firm which holds stakes in gold mines and also a lot of auto part industries, uh, sorry, auto part companies. Um, and it's gone from 11 cents to almost $2 in 12 months. So that's a 1,230% return roughly. And as a result, it was actually added to the MSCI Global Stock Global Small Cap Index this month. So if you're investing in an index that follows global small caps, you'll be getting exposure to the China Investment Fund. So those are some four stocks. And it's just a good shout out that while all this hype is going around Bitcoin and the crazy returns, you know, there's definitely returns out there um, in the stock market. So that's what I learned this week. There you go. That's a good one. Yeah. So it's a restaurant, uh, graphite miner or manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, an online trading platform and yep. a investment fund. Correct. So pretty disparate companies, which I guess just really shows that there, there is opportunity everywhere. Yeah. You just ha- you just have to look hard enough. Good uh good learning and 
you know, maybe the news media should start talking about Japanese restaurants and Indian graphite companies rather than just pumping out Bitcoin articles. I think you're investing, yeah. Maybe we should explain what we're going to do. Yeah. Which is we're going to take a Christmas break because no one wants to think about stocks over the Christmas period. They want to think about spending their money rather than <laughs> saving their money. And so we aren't going to fill up your your podcast feed. Instead, we're going to kick back, eat some ham and spend our money as well. And we'll be back in January. So in, in that spirit, we thought that it would be good to just tie a ribbon on the year that was in a way. Absolutely. And then we're going to be coming back full force for our one year anniversary which would be very romantic for you and i read yeah (laughs) what present are you gonna get me i don't know i'll leave it as a surprise a bitcoin (laughs) yeah right (laughs) let's go through you know as i just said we've that's what we learned for the week but let's let's discuss what we've learned for the year and this doesn't particularly have to be from you know the papers or anything but just a very broad summation brief summation of um, what's probably been the main thing that you've got out of this year either investing or or what whatever it is from the gym or i don't mind it (laughs) What, what, Um, what sort of springs to mind i'm going to label 2017 the year that wasn't and the reason that i'm doing that is because Everyone came in to 2017 expecting a lot from the year and really nothing eventuated. Um, And what do I mean by that? So 2016 set us up. We had Brexit. uh, We had Trump being elected but not yet sworn in. Uh, We had people talking about the market being at record highs. We had people thinking the Australian property market was due to collapse. Uh, We had people talking about China's debt bubble and we had them thinking that that was going to uh, drag down the global economy. We had quantitative easing from central banks in Japan, Europe and the US coming closer to an end and people seeing that that was going to end soon. And so all all of those things, people thought, this is it, 2017, something's going to happen. Yeah. What did we say in 2017? North Korea. Yeah, well, even that didn't drop the market. Just nothing happened. I know. Australian property is still expensive. The US market, it's gone up 17%. Mm. The Australian market's gone up 6.4%. Bitcoin, meanwhile, has gone up 1,500%. But Sydney and Melbourne property market has continued to, to rise. And for me, my main takeaway from this year has been just ignore the noise and don't try and time the market. Mm-hmm. They like I for most of this year. Well, like I still have a certain section of my money just holding in cash because mm-hmm. I want to keep my powder dry. And I, you know, in two thousand and eight, I wasn't. I, I hadn't started investing, and so all of the noise at the end of twenty sixteen and the start of twenty seventeen, I thought this might be an opportunity to get a lot of stocks really cheap. And mm-hmm. everyone we interviewed this year sort of thought the market was towards the top. Everything you read about the Australian property market, about the US market, about quantitative easing ending, about the Brexit negotiations, Mm. you thought, maybe this will trigger it, or maybe this Mm. will trigger it. Mm. North Korea starts firing missiles. Maybe this will trigger it. Trump loses his mind. (laughs) Maybe this will trigger it. (laughs) Yeah, but nothing's triggered it. And I I think it shows that, you know, we're definitely not smart enough, but, but really no one's, no one really knows 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So what did, um, what did you learn this year? Kind of similar to that, but mine, I sort of reflected on all the people that we've interviewed and it's been a great experience getting access to a lot of the people that we have spoken to and... They've all had various backgrounds. I think the main takeaway for me, more so for the listeners to sort of reflect on as well, is that there's absolutely no right way to invest and I don't think there ever will be a right way. It's more about what you were saying, sort of just finding what works for you, ignoring the noise. I I think something that all of the interviews that we've done has shown me is that, you know, that all all of the people we've interviewed have made careers out of investing. They're, They're all successful in their own way of investing in the market yeah, yeah. It, there, there's no one right answer you know no. uh, a stock that warren buffett thinks is a great value stock michael d might not think is a great momentum buy yeah and and one of them will be right and one of them will be wrong and you know if you play that scenario out enough times there will be a number of instances where one of them's right and a number of instances where the other's right. You know, whatever makes sense to you is the most important thing. Whatever whatever analysis comes intuitively to you and the logic behind it makes sense is the best thing. Yeah, if I agree. value, if it's momentum, if it's volume, if it's... Yeah. Do you, did you have a favorite interview this year? It was good to talk to Alan Kohler just because, it was, yeah. <laughs> just because it's Alan Kohler and it's also good to... Um, do interviews in person and he was one of the rare ones that we did um, speak to in person with uh, you and I both in the room so that was memorable just for the fact that you know we'd seen him on TV for so long and we got to chat to him and he had some really good things to say but I would say the interview that I think I got the most out of and I felt the most excited about when we finished was actually our very first interview with Andrew Brown. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I I was about to say exactly the same one. Yeah, and I think, I I don't know what it was, but he he just really spoke in a way that um, was easy to understand for everybody. And uh, if anyone hasn't listened to it, I would definitely recommend going and listening to that one. It's a two-part series and fantastic. He had some really good things to say. So I think what started really strongly for us and kind of (laughs) tailed off towards the end of the year, but that is uh, the hypothetical portfolio that we were running. Well, it's still running, but we're not really talking about it as much. So this was pretty much half the reason that we started this podcast because we wanted to put our uh, theories into into practice with a bit of um, hypothetical money and start a bit of a fund. And so we, we got off to a good start um, with picking a stock of the week every time we did an episode. And it's been ticking along nicely in the background. And I think the results speak for themselves. Total gain for our year uh, to date, which we've picked six, well, there's six stocks in the fund, uh, and we are up twenty point zero six percent. To give it to give a good basis of comparison, the ASX two hundred, so the two hundred biggest companies in Australia, have risen six point four percent this year. There you go. So our portfolio has beaten the ASX two hundred by fourteen percent. There you go. Now, obviously, that's more luck than skill, but <laughs> if, if if we can get lucky, 
anyone can get lucky. Let's yeah. rip through some of our biggest yeah. winners. Yeah, let's make it very brief. Well, I guess I guess the headline is Afterpay. Yeah, um, Afterpay who, Touch Group. Yeah, so who we bought at $2.55, and they're now trading at $5.20. Yeah. So they've more than doubled in price. It's a payment system where you can buy through retailers online and now in store without having to pay full price. You can essentially choose to repay the amount of your purchase over two, four, six weeks roughly, and it will just deduct the payment from your bank account interest-free. All right, we'll rip through some of the other ones. Yeah. So that, that's gone up over 100%. That's been the biggest driver for us. Another one that's been good for us is PM Capital Global Opportunities Fund. Yeah. And literally all we've done in that case is given our money to Paul Moore and his investing firm, and we've said, we back you in, let's see what you can do, and he's given us uh, over 25% return. Nice. Um, so thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. We owe you a beer. <laughs> um, but, but look, I, I reckon the biggest thing to take away from this is that you don't have to hit on every winner. Uh, no. Not, yeah, you, every stock doesn't have to be a winner. We invested in Australian agricultural company, a... Australian beef producer yep. who've lost about 25% since we bought them. Yeah. Another one we purchased was a an ETF that is negatively correlated to the market. So when the market goes up, it goes down and vice versa. And that's gone down 7%. Naturally, and we would expect that return. Yeah, because the market's, market's gone, gone up. up. Yeah. But even with those two, so mine, like Australian agricultural down about 25, the ETF down about 7 you know, overall, we've still done pretty well. So the point of it is to show the value of just being in the market, not to show the value of following us. So I think that's the thing that we have to make clear because who knows, next year we might pick a lot of Australian agricultural companies. (laughs) No. I think what we'll do is we'll put a screenshot up of this or or we'll put it up on our website and the blog so that people can see um, just exactly what we've done. The whole idea of when we started this was to sign ourselves up to a bit of a journey and see how we have progressed and if we do progress and there's anything that we can learn. So I'm interested to know if your personal investing style and philosophy has drastically changed since we started the podcast or if it has changed slightly or what sort of principles are you employing at the moment in your own personal investing yeah i guess the big one for me is when we started this journey i thought you had to understand a style of investing and you had to only follow that style of investing what i've realized now is that and what i'm doing now is when there's no companies that i think are a particularly good buy at that price or when there's nothing that particularly takes my fancy i'm not staying out of the market but I'm just putting it into ETFs or other passive funds or putting it into listed investment companies and betting on different money managers or different investors that I think are quite good at their job. And I'm only picking individual stocks when I think there's a good stock to pick. I'm not letting the cash burn a hole in my pocket and forcing the picks onto my portfolio, if that makes sense. And that is exactly the same as me, which is really interesting. <laughs> that is we didn't it. plan this before. No, no, legit. And that's that's interesting. I've I've my first thing that I, I've got sort of written in front of me is that I consider the balance of port, my portfolio across um, varying degrees of investment styles, and that's exactly exactly what I mean in terms of the way you just explained it. I don't have a bunch of cash just sitting there waiting to be 
put into individual stocks. I have it in the market uh, predominantly in passive investment options. And, you know, it's been a good year relatively for uh, index returns. Uh, one of the things that I started doing this year was I went into a retail fund with Vanguard and that does have a minimum buy-in, but the advantage that I liked about it was that it has a BPay function where you can BPay a minimum of $100 into it. And so you can essentially drip feed into it. And that really gives you great dollar cost averaging, which for those of you who are unsure of what that means, it's one in one of our previous podcasts, but it means that you're buying at highs and lows. And so you're averaging the essentially the price at which you buy and minimizing your risks. So yeah, I'm the same as you, Ren. I've got my portfolio sort of split a bit differently now. I've got money that I play with in more speculative stocks and the likes of Bitcoin. But yeah, I am in the market, um, and you're right. There's not I'm not there's not one particular style of investing that needs to be nailed. I mean, it's a learning process, and we'll we'll get there eventually. <laughs> I guess my question then to you is and this is something that we we'll, I was going to ask later on but I'll probably throw it in now. So given the fact that it sounds like both of us are fairly invested, what is your strategy going into 2018? You know, how liquid are you planning on becoming or are you just going to sit it, sit in there and wait until something happens or or what So yeah yeah, so I I'm not fully invested at the moment. As I said earlier that I held a bunch of cash thinking that 2017 might be a year that something happens. Okay. So I, I still have a bunch of cash that, you know, I, I guess I just haven't had the heart to put in the market yet. In terms of what I think is going to come in 2018, I, I don't know if there's a lot of value in trying to pick, you know, is the Australian property market going to collapse or is, you know, Donald Trump going to do something that, that makes good investing opportunities. Mm. I think what I'm going to do is more longer term look at, well, you know, like where's the economic growth coming from these days? China, India, uh, Western Europe, what are the opportunities there? I'm very, well, yeah, I'm along the same lines. Um, I'm also, yeah, very interested in the emerging markets side of things at the moment. There's some great ETFs out there that give you great access. Um, so yeah, I think I'm very much the same going into 2018. Hopefully there's some exciting things that we can discuss. <laughs> oh, let's, let's see yeah, Robert, I'm sure no, no. I'm sure there will be something. <laughs> we always finish our interviews with the final three, but um, I think we've got a few finals, final questions here. Um, if there's anything else you want to bring up, Ren, now's the chance. Otherwise, I think it's a good opportunity nah, to, to wrap it up. Um, Let's wrap it up with some final questions. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'll start with you. And I know you're an avid reader um, on your Kindle. Yeah, um, I love my Kindle. So what's been your book recommendation for the year, investing or otherwise? Okay. Well, I mean, there's a few. Uh, um, Tobias Carlyle was someone we interviewed and he wrote a book, The Acquirer's Multiple. Uh, if you want to understand value investing, I reckon that is a must read. It, you can read it in a day. And it explains some of the basic concepts and gives some really interesting stories about some of the best-known value investors. Uh, that, that would be a big one in terms of an investing book. Another big one for me that I read this year was, it's called Buffettology, and it's by 
Uh, Warren Buffett's daughter-in-law, Mary Buffett. Uh, I think that is probably the best articulation of his method that I've read. So that's a really good one. And then one non-investing one, a book that I thought was really good this year. Um, it's about the American opiate epidemic. So not exactly an uh, easy topic, but I thought it was a fantastic book. It's called Dreamland by Sam uh, Quinones. Apologies if I've mis- mispronounced that last name. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Fascinating story about all the different things that went into making the opiate crisis what it is today. What about you? Any uh, books to recommend? Well, I'll start with a non uh, sorry, a fiction book, and I read the Millennium Trilogy this year, which I hadn't read, which was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and those three books, which was oh, yeah. a phenomenal read. read. Okay. Um, I love that sort of crime fiction sort of stuff. So, yeah, well worth the read. You'd be able to power through it. Um, it's uh, page-turning stuff, so get around that. In terms of investing books, um, off the back of your Buffettology, uh, that's actually on my summer reading list. I bought it most recently. Um, so it's sitting on my bedside table ready to go. But I read the essays of Warren Buffett right at the start of the year. Um, and that is a great insight into, well, everything Warren Buffett, his style of investing. It looks at a lot of the letters that he sends to his annual general meeting and all of his investors, which are now world-renowned. So I enjoyed that one. And a book that I would recommend, I'm not sure that you would get around this one, Ren, because you have a thing against Tim Ferriss, but... Um, <laughs> But a a book that is very easy to pick up and skim through and always get something out of that you can uh, take away or at least think about is one, as I said, by Tim Ferriss called Tools of Titans. And it goes through many, many, many people that he has interviewed on his pod. People that are the best in their field, ranging from chess all the way through to, I don't know, taekwondo and investing and business and all that sort of stuff. He interviews the best and then he's collated all of that into a book with some actionable insights. And so it's one that you don't have to read all at once. It's many, many pages, but it's really good to pick up, have a skim and at least have a think about um, some of the things that these people talk about. Let's wrap up with one question that we ask out guests on the show and that is what would you tell your young self so obviously we are not anywhere near the age of some of our guests so what would you have told yourself three years ago yeah i mean the obvious answer is either buy bitcoin or buy japanese restaurants or indian graphite firms really (laughs) after what you told us earlier maybe just just read more like I reckon, ironically enough, at uni, I read less than I do now. And, you know, I've got a lot of catching up to do. So Mm. just read early, read often, I guess. Mm. I guess I think I I would say to myself um, is try and leave the emotion out of it a bit more than I have been recently. I think I let my emotions dictate some of my stock picks more than they should. Yeah, especially with the likes of, say... uh, Bellum is and that was the classic you know you, you just said don't sell at the bottom and I sold at the bottom and now they're back up to where they were if not higher so big regrets on that and I would tell myself leave the emotion out of it you know that the stocks will always in most cases come back so just chill well look 
if you're still listening at this point, thank you for sticking with us for our first year. Yeah. Over the break, we're still going to be pumping out some content on social media. So make sure you follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And we will be sending out the Thought Starters email every Monday. Keep your eyes peeled for that. I would also suggest getting around our competition that is generously sponsored by Belmont Securities. We are offering the chance for you to win $500 to start your investing journey. It may not seem like a lot, but it can turn into a lot. That's the main message that we are giving. Yeah. Get around the competition. We're getting very close to the, the finality of it. And you can get it. All you have to do is put in your email address, your name, age, and it's that easy. Uh, www.equitymates.com forward slash win 500. You'll find it through our website or on our Facebook or Twitter feeds. You don't have anything to lose by doing so, but you have a lot to gain. So definitely get involved. Um, and I guess, yeah, as Ren said, I'll just echo his statements and say a massive thank you to everyone who has been listening so far. Um, we've had some great feedback from a lot of you and uh, it's been a really enjoyable year for us um, and we will endeavor to continue this journey into next year with some new and exciting things so we are going to take a well-earned christmas break of roughly four weeks yeah merry christmas to you all and a happy new year happy new year equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned this is general advice only please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation